Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning, Portico Milton. And uh, if you're a newcomer, uh, welcome to uh, our church. It's so glad that you could join with us today. Why don't we just take a second? I know it's hot in here. Um, um, <laughs> and maybe morale is down a little bit. Fans are out, I can see. So why don't we just, uh, why don't you look to your neighbor, pick one, and just say, I'm so glad that you're sitting beside me. And then you go ahead to your next neighbor, and you can say, you're just as equally as important to me. Thank you so much for sitting beside me, for fanning me. It is such a pleasure. Let's, let's just switch as we go throughout the service. Um, but uh, we, are, we are still in a summer series <coughs> called Uncommon Sense, Simplified Living in a Complex World, where uh, the idea that there are things we think should be common sense have since become somewhat uncommon. And so today we're specifically going to be looking at our words, the words that we speak, and how our words have power. They say that uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. The pen is mightier than the sword. The sword may pierce the body, but it's the pen that pierces the soul. It pierces the heart. And as such, our words are actually a matter of life and death. Our words are a matter of life and death. Let me ask you this. Um, what do you say to a person? What do you say to a person who deserves a kind word? Right? Usually it's something like, oh, I love you, right? Or, you know, I really like you. You know, you're pretty amazing. And the whole point of that is for them to walk away going, you know what? I am pretty amazing, right? You're trying to build them up, make them feel good about themselves. What about, what about someone who deserves a different kind of word, right? Maybe it's, it's you're, you're driving in your car and you get cut off and you're just like, sweet Jesus, right? And, and, and then you're like, bless you, right? Bless you, car that cut me off, right? Um, what if it's, if it's someone that you see and they're just like so confident in themselves, like overly confident, and you're like, you know what, I just need to bless them with uh, taking them down a couple notches, right? I am going to personally humble them, right? Do the humble thing and humble them. We might want to do that, um, you know, maybe not necessarily make them feel bad. Sometimes that's, that is the point. But what you realize uh, in all of this is that our words have power uh, to alter a person's emotions. Uh, our words have power that can affect their day, uh, change habits, change lifestyles, uh, careers. And our words can actually even help change people's beliefs, all from just a few words. We realize that they have so much power. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life 
and death. In other words, those who love to talk will reap the consequences of the words they choose because the words they choose can either speak life and build up someone or they can speak death and tear someone down. And in the Hebrew, uh, the, the word for death can also mean plague. Plague, and uh, I'm not talking about bad breath here, although I'm, I'm sure that we've got some people that, never mind. Um, but uh, like a plague can come out of your mouth, right? With the words that you choose, right? They can infest and they can, and they can, they can wreak havoc. They can be like a plague in someone else's lives or in people's lives, the words that we choose. It's I kind of look at it like making soup. Anyone here like making soup? If you ever went to college or university, ramen noodles were your thing, right? You just made them all the time. And and if you're like me, sometimes you can be distracted and get careless. And what ends up happening is they just fly out of the pot and they go all over the counter and and all over the the floor. and, And that's what a careless word is like. It's like soup, right, that spills over. A careless word can make a big mess. That's what it does, right, when we're not careful. There's no five-second rule, right? You can't slurp it up and spit it back into the pot. Once it's out, it's out. And, uh, you know, there's uh, in sports and in in TV, you have the three-second TV time delay, right? where even though things are live, there's a little bit of a delay just in case they need to edit something out. Well, with our words, we don't have that option. Uh, When it comes out, it's out. But at the same time, our words can be wholesome too. They they can be used to uh, bring care and, and caution to someone else. And they can help not only ourselves, but others. So let's ask the question, what do we need to do when it comes to the words that we use? What do we need to do? Well, one thing is we need to choose words that inspire vision. We need to choose words that inspire vision. Proverbs 16.23 says, A wise person's heart controls his speech, and what he says helps others learn. Someone who had a lot to learn in, in the Bible was a, a man by the name of Peter, who was also one of Jesus's disciples. And the Bible tells us that one day uh, Jesus was with his disciples, and um, he looks at them and he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say I am? And the disciples look at him and they say, well, you know, some, some say that you're the prophet Elijah. Others say that, uh, you know, you're not just a good man and a teacher and a rabbi, but others think that you're uh, John the Baptist. And he looks at, at them and he says, and who do you say I am? Not what the people say, but who do you say? And Peter, who's the guy who who typically just like speaks out before he even thinks. And, you know, he's that got foot and mouth disease thing, right, where he just speaks and it just blabs out and it usually gets him in trouble. But in this point in time, he speaks up and he says, well, you're the Christ. You're, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And there's this incredible moment that 
Jesus has with Peter when he sees him. He looks at him and he says, you're right. You and you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. On you, I will do something incredible is what he's saying which is no pressure, right? No pressure at all. You're just going to, you know, the Son of God is going to be doing something so big in you, you won't even be able to fully understand or wrap your mind around it. And by the way, what you say and do are going to be read and heard about between billions and billions of people are going to know what you do. So no pressure in your next steps, right? And so this is what Peter is hearing, that the church is going to be built on him, on, on what he does and what he says. And in this moment, Jesus chooses to encourage Peter. He knew everything about Peter. He knew, he knew all his problems. He knew all the failings that had happened in, in Peter's life. And he, he knew that uh, he, there were still failures to come, and yet he instilled vision on Peter. He didn't hesitate to encourage Peter, even though he knew Peter's potential to fail. And why is this? Why does he choose to inspire vision? It's because in the, minds, in the mind of God, in the midst of all of the problem, God sees an opportunity. That's the difference between God and us. In the midst of problem, God sees an opportunity. When we see problems in people, we'll either be quick to correct, we'll be quick to avoid, right? We'll, we'll be quick to get away from someone or, or just, uh, you know, um, toss them aside if we see problems in them that we, we don't like. But when God sees a problem, he actually sees an opportunity to reach a person's full potential. That's what he sees, that's what he sees in each one of us. Um, you know, there, there's this quote that says, if you wish to build a ship, do not divide the men into teams and send them to the forest to cut wood. Instead, teach them to long for the vast and endless seas. Teach them to long for the vast and endless seas. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing with Peter. He was getting him to think about the unimaginable possibilities that come from knowing him and following him. That's what he's doing with Peter. Another man who was exceptional at this was a man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in his speech, I have a dream. He, he speaks out and he says, I have a dream that, that, that white, white people and, and black people will one day sit in the, in the streets of Mississippi and dine together. I have this dream that one day white children and black children will play together. I have this dream. What he's, what he's doing in that moment is he describes this desire for unity, for equality, for justice, for forgiveness and for love, he describes endless possibilities if racism is abolished. And the vision that he inspired has left a legacy that's gone on for years. Now think about what Jesus has done with those simple words that he spoke over, that vision that he inspired Peter with about this great church that would be built one day 
through him. He's inspiring vision. And now this legacy has literally gone beyond thousands of years to where we are today. Our words are meant to inspire. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed. See that what you say will do good to those who hear you. Our words are meant to inspire vision and help bring reconciliation, to bring restoration, love, and hope to everyone. Our mission here at at Portico is helping people find their way back to God. And it's not to God the people we want, but it's to everyone, not just those we want to come to Jesus, but everyone. But in order to do that, people need to people need to reach their potential. They have to get past their brokenness because it's our brokenness that often prevents us from reaching all that God intends for us. Which is why we also need to choose words that nurture healing. Choose words that nurture healing. Proverbs 12:18 says the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. It's like good medicine. That's what the tongue of the wise bring, good medicine for us. If we go back to the the story of Jesus and and Peter, there's a a moment where Jesus tells the disciples that he must uh, die. Um, He must die in order to to take away the sins of the world, in order to be obedient and, and to fulfill his mission on earth. And in that moment, Peter speaks up. He, he just, he kind of cuts in in the conversation. He says, no, this is not going to happen. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And Jesus quiets him and, and rebukes him in that moment. And he says, absolutely, Peter, this is what needs to happen. This was my mission. This is why I came here to die for all people, to forgive sins. That's why I've come. And he says, by the way, you, Peter, even though you, you are, are, are you know, saying these things right now, what en- what's going to happen is, is once I'm arrested, you're actually going to deny me three times. And you'll know this is true when you'll hear the rooster crow. And he says, no way, I'll never do that. I would never abandon you. I'll never turn my back on you. And if you read in the story, you find out that Jesus is, is arrested and, and uh, these, uh, these people are all huddling around a, a fire and one of them recognizes Peter and says, hey, aren't you Peter? Aren't you, aren't you the one that used to be with Jesus all the time? And he's looking at them and he says, no, I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not. And then it happens a second time. And the Bible says, then it happens a third time. And, and he, he denies him and he actually curses himself. And he says, it's not true. I swear it's not true. I swear to God. And then he hears the rooster crow. And one of the, the, the translations says that in that moment, Jesus looked over at Peter. And you can imagine that connection when, when Peter realizes what he's done. And the Bible says that he whipped, uh, wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because he knew what he'd done. I'm sure all of us in the room know that feeling 
We know that feeling when we needed someone so bad. We needed someone so much. Maybe it was a family member or, or a friend. And you just needed someone so bad in that moment. And they abandoned you. And they, they left you. And, and you were left there to just fight this on your own. To, to get through this on your own. And it's, it's the hardest feeling ever. I bet we know that feeling, each one of us hear that gut-wrenching feeling. Well, eventually the Bible says that, that Jesus was crucified, um, but then after three days, he, he rose from the dead. He, he raised back to life, and, and uh, he was met by these women, and, and he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter that I've risen. And so they run back and they tell, they tell all the disciples and you know that they, they specifically said, and Peter, Peter, specifically he called for you. And so you can, you can just imagine that tension in the room. And you know that tension when you know, someone has really dropped the ball in your life and then you're in the same room at another point, right? That, that uncomfortable kind of, I really don't want to be here right now, right? right? Who do they think they are, you know, uh, showing up in this place, right? Um, we get that feeling. And, and, and Jesus has all the right in the world if he wanted to go and, and just call out Peter and, and just say, man, where were you when I needed you most? You abandoned me. You left me. But instead, it's amazing what Jesus does. He walks up to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And you know out of every question, right, when you're full of shame, when you're, when you're full of just like, I know I was terrible. I'm an awful human. And, and, and Jesus simply just asks, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, I love you. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, yes, I love you. And he starts encouraging them, saying, well, feed, feed my sheep. Take care of the flock, right? Take care of this, these people. And then he goes a third time and he says, Peter, do you love me? And at this point, the Bible says that Peter, just his, his emotions just totally sunk. And he was like, yeah, you know, you know that I, I love you. You know that I do. You know I love you, God. And, and in that moment, what Jesus does, instead of, of cursing him or, or reaming him out, he looks at him and he encourages him, okay, good, now it's time to build my church again. He nurtures healing. Why does he ask Peter three times? It's because Peter denied him three times. He's nurturing healing. If we know anything about healing, healing takes time. Healing takes intentionality. Can you imagine what, what, um, what it would uh, have been like if, if, um, if Jesus would have just sent Peter off to... to um, to commission and to, to build the church in brokenness, 
right? A lot of you here in the room, you think because you've messed up or you've made mistakes that you're written off, that, that God will not work through you. But what you don't realize is like Peter, what God is doing in you right now is he's nurturing healing so that he can commission you and send you off. If Peter would have gone brokenhearted and low in spirit, can you imagine what the church would look like today? It's like Eeyore running a, a church, right, from Winnie the Pooh, right? Hey, you know, God is good. <sighs> I guess, right? Like, hey, let's go tell people about Jesus. Okay, right? Um, aren't you excited what Jesus has done? I guess, right? Like, can you imagine that? And so what he's doing is he's, he's setting them back on the right track. He's getting his eyes focused on the mission and the vision and the values of the church and, and what we're called to do. He nurtures healing in Peter's life and then he commissions them out to go and do. I'll tell you what, if he didn't do that to Peter, to, to nurture that healing, we wouldn't see a church thriving today. Healing and restoration is at the foundation of the Christian faith. And that's what God needs to do in each one of us. Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever forgives an offense seeks love. Whoever forgives an offense seeks love. For others of you, you come to realize that one of the hardest things we wrestle with when it comes to the Christian faith is not that Jesus forgave my sins, rather that Jesus forgave someone else's sins too. Because what it does is it forces us to come to terms with the fact that we must do likewise. We must forgive our neighbor. Forgiveness is not an option in the Christian faith. It's a requirement. It's what will take you one step closer to wholeness, to freedom. Because bondage, bondage is not how God wants us to live. And unforgiveness is bondage. You know, some, have been, some of you have been carrying bondage or unforgiveness for years, for months, for weeks. And I'm not saying it's easy to get rid of, but it is freeing when you do. And freedom is how Christ called us to live. And so as a follower of Christ, this is one way that we choose our words carefully. We nurture healing. We give out forgiveness. Finally, we choose words that release blessing. We choose words that release blessing. Proverbs 11.11 says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. We release blessing. I've told you this story before. It's, it's of a, a, a czar in, in Russia named Alexander. Uh, Alexander was the Tsar of Russia in uh, 1881, and he was uh, a man that was known for repression. He uh, was, uh, in particular, really harsh on the Jews, uh, but he was a man um, that uh, there wasn't a lot of forgiveness available. Um, and one day, um, 
him and his wife were, were hearing uh, the case of a prisoner. And his wife was actually completely the opposite of him personality-wise. She was known as this compassionate and loving worse, uh, woman. And um, anyways, one day, um, they're, they're hearing this, um, this case. And uh, when the czar hears uh, this, this situation, he, he actually says, and, and uh, if we can get them up on screen, he says this. He, he writes a note and he pens it and it says, pardon impossible, send to Siberia. Pardon impossible, send to Siberia. Well, anyways, Maria got a hold of this letter before it got mailed out. And she actually changed the comma. And she changed it to pardon, impossible to be sent to Siberia. You know, and if you think about it, The same could be said about God and us. The same could be said about God and us. In Christ, God has changed the comma that stood against us. From pardon impossible comes the good news of salvation to pardon, comma, impossible to send. That's what Christ has done for us. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Before we even said a word, God made a way. Before we were even to, able to apologize for what we did, God made a way for us. He forgave us. He gave us grace and, and mercy and, and love to each and every one of us. So why shouldn't we do the same? Why can't we do the same? What is stopping us from doing the same? Some of you might say, well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to me. Others in in the room here might say, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know all the wrong that I've done. And I'd simply reply with, you're right, I don't. I don't know what you've done. And I don't know what they've done. But God does. God does. And he still extends his love and forgiveness to each and every one of us. And he's pretty clear on what a follower of Christ looks like and what a follower of Christ needs to do. It might not be easy to forgive yourself or or forgive another, but it's what God did for us. So we must do likewise. Because the truth is, is at the end of the day, all of these points that I've, I've shared with you uh, you have to decide on if you want to do that. And these, these choices uh, will decide how you live and how people will remember you. And if you choose to use words that inspire vision to nurture healing and, and release blessing, you will find yourself exactly where God wants you to be. And truthfully, in your innermost, in your inner heart, you will find yourself exactly where you want to be and where you've longed to be your whole life. We are not promised tomorrow. So what words will you say today that will leave a lasting impression on others in order to help them find their way back to God. Choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... um, I thank you 
that you have created us to be in relationship with you. That, Father, you've given us a language that we can speak to build and, and encourage one another and, and, and help one another. And so, I, Father, I pray that our words would be a source of encouragement, a source of love and, and reconciliation and restoration. God, that we would build each other up, that we would encourage one another. God, that we would use our words to help in a broken world. It might not always be easy, but it's right and it's good. And it's what you would have us do. So Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us to speak what you would have us speak. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Lately, I've been ending with a a benediction, and I'm going to do that one more time again um, before we head out. So why don't I get all of you to stand up? If you're taking notes, uh, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. It says this, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious and limited resource, uh, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down uh, into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete and uh, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever, ever. Amen. Amen. Bless you today. We are actually, before you leave, uh, we've, uh, we, we have offering, I see, that we didn't uh, do today. So if you, uh, I'm going to get you guys to sit again, just, uh, <laughs> just in case. This is an opportunity for us. Yeah, ushers, if you want to just come right away. Lord, bless this offering and use it for your kingdom purposes. Amen. Uh, if you're new, um, we're not here. This isn't something we just want to take your money. This is, uh, this is actually ways that we can uh, help our community. Uh, we do a lot of missions and, and um, just helping in our community, helping uh, to even run and facilitate something like this that we do on a weekly basis. But we're, what we're doing is we're actually just giving back what God has already given us, right? And so um, feel free if you would like to give, but no pressure if you, if you don't want to or you don't have today. That's totally okay. We still love you. You're still welcome. If you're brand new, I'd love to meet you. I know uh, Pastor Heather would also love to meet you. And if you haven't been in a while, come visit as well. Um, Mike, it's so good to see you. Buddy, I'm praying for you back. I just want you to know that. Um, so don't give them big bear hugs, okay? Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, God bless. Have a great day. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next week.